if I could describe to give my life tour in one word, it would be vulnerability. Showing up for yourself is so important. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanco. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanco, and today's stop on this tour is so significant to me because I have a very special guest. She's incredible, not just because I say she is, but because she is really dope, and I am so excited to introduce you to her. I know I'm delaying the process. You've heard me speak about her on multiple occasions, probably almost every stop on the tour, I bring her up or shout her out, and she is finally here. So without further ado, welcome my sister, Ashley Blanco. Ashley, welcome to the show, girl. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm smiling ear to ear because it is so important to put your sisters on. Now, I know... I have a lot of college sisters. I have a lot of sorors, a lot of friends that I've met, sis and sissy and all these other things. But this right here is my blood sister, okay? Same mom, same dad, what up? (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to have you here on the Get My Life Tour. Thank you. You are so welcome. So let me introduce Ashley and then I'll allow her to, you know, reintroduce herself. Okay. So Ashley M. Blanco is the founder of Rise and Thrive LLC, an author and an urban education partner strategist in the city of San Francisco. We might as well just throw Bay Area in there because she is doing work all over the Bay from hood to hood, literally. Okay. Raised throughout the city. Um, and in some parts of Oakland, and now she is pouring in to the lives of families who look like us, both black and brown, um, marginalized people in the least touristy parts of San Francisco and Oakland. Ashley, welcome to the Give My Life Tour. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes. So, you know, I said who you are, I gave you your title, but... Um, Introduce yourself. Let the people know who you are. I am Ashley M. Blanco. And, you know, one word that describes me right now is so excited to be here. I do a lot of different things. As you mentioned, I work with families. I am mostly based in the Bayview, Hunters Point area. But I've, you know, I can go to, you know, pretty much any area in San Francisco and see someone I've worked with. Whether they're a child that's three to five years old or a teenager or a young adult, I also have authored a book and a workbook for a women's development leadership group that falls within the Rise and Thrive LLC. 
And I'm just a collaborative type of person. So anytime I can support someone and be there with them and for them in the process, that's what I do. I speak at Chabot College in the spring and in the fall, so once a semester. And, you know, starting up some partnerships with a high school in San Francisco to do some leadership development there. So, you know, I'm just trying to stay active and stay in alignment, you know, so that I'm serving from purpose in every area. Yes. Okay. And the name of her book is Liberated Through the Love of Christ. And the name of her women's group is Love from the Beginning. Ashley is not used to talking about herself, but I am her <laughs> sister who is the journalist. So, you know, I'll talk her up for you. So the reason why I'm super excited to have Ashley on this stop of the tour is because I have been thinking about sisterhood tough lately. And I'd like to think that sisterhood is an inside job. You know, I've been in relationship with so many different women platonically um, as friends and you know, friendships are relationships too. And it's so interesting because oftentimes we are disappointed by, you know, the other person. You know, we all have those sister friends we have to let go. Um, and we all are, you know, if not someone's close friend, you know, their sister. But I say all that to say that sisterhood is an inside job. So the same mm-hmm. way that we want other people to show up for us and pour into us and be there for us is the same way that we have to, you know, reach down inside of ourselves so that we can be that and do the work. So while I have many women who I consider to be sisters, um, you know, of the most high, just through experiences, whether we spend time on campus together or we pledge together, all these things, I thought it would be, really valuable to have this conversation with my blood sister, someone who I have done life with, who I've gone through, you know, the muck in the mire with and, you know, give you all insight um, on our relationship and the things we've learned from now. Look, I ain't bring Ashley on the show because we perfect. All right. Um, We have been through life. Okay. Both together and individually. She's on the West coast. I'm on the East and, at various points in our lives, we were separated because of college and work and all these other pursuits that we chose. So I wanted to preface this conversation that way because I don't want someone to come and think that you're going to hear about how great our lives are and how easy being one another's sister is. Uh, we both are very um, strong-minded and strong-willed young women who are the children and the daughters <laughs> of our parents who mm-hmm. have, you know, their own stories. Um, but I just wanted to say that cause that's important. This is not um, a Disney version mm-hmm. of what sisterhood is just like you and your sister be funkin'. Me and Ashley got beef too. No, I'm kidding. We're not <laughs> <a beef. laughs> but I will swear for it. Okay. Cause I'm a little big sis always, but Ashley, I've done a lot of talking, per usual. Um, but I want to, you know, jump in by asking you, you know, what has your journey as a sister looked like in life? And I know that's kind of deep, but mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever had that conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one thing 
The first thing that always comes to mind for me is seeing you in the stroller at, you know, a year old and younger. I remember playing in the children's area of the hospital when you were being born. And it's a very faint memory, but I remember playing with the blocks and then hearing, oh, your sister is here. And then, you know, my memory fades out. And then I see you, you know, admiring you in the stroller. And just, you know, I can remember the curve of your cheek, the length of your eyelashes, the curve in your eyelashes, your brown skin, and just being so proud that you were my sister. When you got out of that stroller, our problems began, you know. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well. As far as, uh, you know, you're very independent and very autonomous. You know, you do things for yourself and you've always been so expressive. And one thing I learned at a young age is that I had to let you be the individual that you are. So when you were running around the house and, you know, you know, whatever type of clothes you were wearing. I don't have to tell everybody I was naked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to speak to it a little bit. That's okay. Lydia right. was a free spirit. Okay. But, Part-time uh, nudist. Right. But, you know, even then having, you know, learning how to accept that although she's my sister, you know, she's independent of me and not trying to control that and really learning how to understand you from a young age. So when I think about the journey of learning how to be a sister. I think about those early years of admiring you, learning that you're independent, and also learning that, you know, you are your own person. So, you know, okay, now here's a story. You were younger than me. You are younger than me. And mommy wanted to make sure, and daddy too, everything is always equal. Because both of them, for the listeners, were not their parents' favorite children. So our parents were very adamant on Lydia and I getting along and being supportive of one another from a very young age. We were not allowed to be angry with each other for a long time. We were not allowed to say mean things to one another. Now, outside of their presence, we did say, ah, you know, but we always gelled. And I remember my mom giving Lydia quarters and she gave me a dollar bill. And I said, Mom, why did you give her quarters or coins and give me a dollar bill? And she said, because she thinks she has more money than you. <laughs> so- <laughs> so then that's when I understood you know this part of acceptance like oh so then there was one point you know in our childhood things were really hard you know we were uh we had been displaced we were you know uh living in other people's houses we were homeless um there was a lot of instability in our family and Lydia had turned a $20 bill into quarters. She just wanted to feel rich that day. But I understood, you know, like, this is how she, from a young age, this is how she sees, you know, life. And, you know, she's a kid, so she wants to feel like she has an abundance. And just being able to understand that and accept that. So a lot of how I engage with women today comes from you know learning from you and learning with you so I was I was a child who would go to the laundry mat 
or as you know, we call it on the West Coast at times, the wash house, to go turn dollars into coins. And you know, I, I did think it was more money, but pro tip, I was learning how to budget my money um, or I was teaching myself how to budget my money. So while everybody else was just spending cash, getting a dollar worth of salami, four bags of chips, four dollars, three cans of soda, four dollar. I was out here rationing and I found out you could buy <laughs> things individually without necessarily having to buy them in both. So guess who had more money at the end of the day? It was me. <laughs> OK, I can teach you how to ration and budget. So, um, yes, to the coin story. Shout outs to my mama and them. Um, but yes, you know, we must definitely have had some very some very tough times and like Ashley said we most definitely weren't allowed to you know disrespect one another or be rude or mean to one another but we did have a sneak fight or two Ashley Mm -hmm. would put her uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ashley would put her chin into like my arm bone (laughs) that is hurt I'm a sneak puncher, like just sneak puncher. My dad told me how to box, so I had a sneak puncher one time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, um, we would throw things at each other. But one thing I, I can always say is that, you know, with me assuming the little big sister role, there is nothing that anyone can say to Ashley. Um, and we learned that because we saw our parents being disrespected or disregarded by their siblings and not all the time and not by each of their siblings, you know, but we saw it. We saw toxic relationships in the household, outside the household, in the front, in the form of friendships. And, you know, it was like we had this unspoken bond that we would have each other's backs and that mm-hmm. would be us. Mm-hmm. Um, even without knowing the words toxic or dysfunctional, we knew that we wanted so much more. So it was like this vow, you know, people knew not to mess with Ashley in my neighborhood because they would have to answer to me. And not because I'm a violent person or anything like that, but I always knew to stand my ground um, and make it known that I had them hands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you know, one thing, one thing I want to add, because some of the listeners may be wondering, well, why did Lydia feel the need to defend her sister in that way. And one thing that I can say is with we all of that, no, we lived in the hood, <laughs> we lived in many hoods. Okay. Um, but one thing I can say is that Lydia has always been so expressive and she didn't take any stuff, you know, and we experienced a lot of adversity and, you know, we were affected differently by it. So even today, people will think we're kind of um, opposite. But I like to think of us as complementary. Lydia is more extroverted in certain situations. And then I'll be like, you know, I'll be warm to hot, you know, because hot meaning like, woo, really excited. But I just recognize in our growing up how our adversity kind of pushed Lydia to the forefront and it pushed me to the background. So that supported us with our, you know, our support of one another because even if Lydia was in the forefront and someone had something to say about her, I too, you know, they, you couldn't, you know, and you still can't. So I'm really grateful that, you know, we're sisters and that we have such a dynamic that is so complementary. It supports us in our way of being and our way of doing together. 
Most definitely. And one of the things um, that comes to mind as you say that is individuality. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the fact that we complement one another, right? But we are our own people and mm-hmm. we always have been and we always will be, right? So one of the ways that I've, like, been able to hone my individuality is by just being my authentic self. Like, I've, I talked about it in the past episode, you know, on getting back to the dreams of your childhood. How I've always been so rambunctious and outspoken. I've always um, been a hustler. You know, I was selling stickers door to door, braiding hair, selling beef jerky um, and whatever else I could do, you know. <laughs> and you probably think you're probably listening. It's like this girl did not braid hair and sell beef jerky and sell stickers. Door. I, I legit did. I had a Looney Tunes um, little briefcase or bag, a little shape like a briefcase. I made it a briefcase. OK. And I had some stickers in it. And somehow I bartered the stickers and the bag from somebody else because my mama sure did not buy that bag. Um, and then I went next door. Well, I went door to door and sold stickers. I would braid hair doing school and, you know, after school. And so I sold beef, <laughs> beef jerky for orchestra. Remember that? Oh, my God. Um, no, that beef jerky thing, was good, okay? Lydia was very resourceful. She kept a dollar on her. As much as she could. And the reason... Don't tell them why. Can- <laughs> Don't tell them. You got to leave an element of surprise. Okay, I'll wait. Look. Uh, well, now go ahead and tell them because you know you hate when people do that. <laughs> okay. So she always kept a dollar on her because in the event that something happened, she needed 50 cents for the bus, a quarter for a bag of chips, and a quarter for her phone call. That's right. So <laughs> she was always, you know, thinking ahead. And, you know, I was like, wow, that girl's smart. There are so many times in our lives where I saw glimpses of who she would become by just the way she spoke. You know, I remember when Lydia was on the phone with one of our cousins and we saw him by the store. And our cousin asked, well, what's he doing? And Lydia said, putting a straw in the Kool-Aid jammer. But the way she said it was like, wow, she described that so precisely. And it had a sense of humor to it. To where I, it doesn't surprise me that you are this, you know, forward, awesome journalist, everything great individual because, you know, your language and your energy when speaking. So, oh, thanks, Ashley. I'm not You're paying welcome. her to say these things. Um, but, <laughs> you know, my question to you is. You know, I know people like to play the comparison game mm-hmm. and we've fought against that when people try to do that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. Ashley's so soft and gentle and her voice is so sweet. Lydia, you know, you got to watch out for her. Cause blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, like I'm gentle, too. I'm outspoken, but I'm gentle. Right. right. So there's people have always tried to do like the little yin and yang thing with us. Right. But beyond comparison or I guess in addition to not addition. OK, let's not do math right now. with all of that being said and people wanting to compare us, how have you been able to, you know, remain true to who you are individually, but also be a supportive sister? You know, some people turn on each other with a quickness Mm -hmm. or somebody, you know, says, oh, this is who you are and that's who they are. That's who they are. Don't be them. Be great. Right. And it automatically turns the other person, you know, away So how have you been able to, you know, remain who you are and still be supportive despite, you know, 
others trying to get up in our mix. One thing that I've learned to do is ignore the comparisons. When I heard people making comparisons, it did not feel good to me. For some people, you know, they like to be number one. They like to be first. They, you know, haven't met their goal for the day if someone hasn't told them how great they are. I've never been that type of person. And it didn't feel good for me when people would make comparisons. So I learned to kind of say, hey, that's my sister, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't like that. And I would tell people who were making those types of comparisons, like, you should get to know her, you know, get to know me, but making comparisons is it's not godly. One time, one of the little girls that I worked with, she, you had came to the program and you had come to the program and this was after you volunteered that summer as a photojournalist. Shay said, you two are different, but similar. And I said, huh? I said, tell me more. And she said, well, she's cool and you're warm. I said, okay. And she said, yeah, it's like she's the moon and you're the sun. And I was like, okay. And then what I... I learned from that brief moment was, again, going back to the necessity of both. You know, we can't appreciate the sun without the moon, the warmth without the coolness. And I appreciated what she was saying because she showed me that after years of ignoring people's ignorance and trying to make those comparisons, it set me up to just be able to appreciate how, again, complimentary and dynamic that is. I've always known that you were going to, and I, I keep saying this, but even when you were a kid having your microphone and, you know, you were Ricky Lake and Oprah Winfrey and, you know, Daddy and I were guests on your talk show. I didn't have a problem with that. You know, I was happy to be on your show. And here I am today on your show. But you know what? There was one time and when we were going to a particular church, people made comparisons um, and that bothered me. So I always had to say, you got to get to know her, you know, and I didn't let those comparisons or those those comments sink in to the extent that I could feel any type of way towards you, because I knew that anyone trying to set up a commentary of who you are and who I am and make it, you know, Ashley versus Lydia was an external voice. And I couldn't listen to that, you know, so I was raised to appreciate you and there was nothing that could get in the way of that happening. So that, that was the baseline for me being able to be supportive of you regardless, because I didn't heed to those external voices. So to Ashley's point, we most definitely have been in environments where people have, you know, wanted it to be either the Ashley show or the Lydia show. And we most definitely are a dynamic duo. And we appreciate, you know, being in the same, you know, pot at times and being able to bloom and flourish together. You know, it's really unfortunate when people fall victim or fall into the trap of comparison, especially with their sister, regardless if you're a biological or not, 
it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, we literally have witnessed, you know, women in our family going at it. Um, they can't be in the same room. They can't be in the same space. They didn't, they can't clap for one another. And I know on my college campus, I have experienced that personally. I experienced that personally. And within my sorority, even, you know, we are such dynamic beings as women. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we all have heard saying hurt people hurt people. There's so much healing that we have to do um, in our lives in order to be well enough to engage with people at certain levels in different and higher vibrations. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so with that being said, you know, you've had your own journey. Right. Um, can you tell me, can you give me an example of, you know, you being on your journey and something that has shaped you as a woman that has allowed you to be a better sister um, and a better friend, you know, quite frankly, to other women, but it's starting with you first. Oh, you ask great questions. There are so many things that I've had to heal from because the way I was made, I'm a little more sensitive and I take things, I, I absorb a lot. Um, one thing that I had to do in order to be a better sister and a better friend was identify the areas in which I was not consistent with my authority and consistent in my way of being. And I knew that it was affecting me because my emotions, you know, at one point, and it was a culmination of a lot of things that had happened over the course of some years, but I wasn't the happiest that I wanted to be. So I had to do the work, the inner work, in order to be happy with myself, in order for me to be around people and not feel like I was less than, because for so many years, I did more than because I felt less than. And when that began to catch up with me, I knew that I wanted to be a better person to myself so that I can enjoy myself when I'm around other people. And so I know that's a big umbrella statement for a lot of different events, but I really had to look at how I was feeling about myself when I was around other women because the truth is no one can make you feel any type of way. You can generate these emotions from within yourself. But no one can make me feel less than no one can make me feel like I hadn't done enough or whatever the case may be. So I had to really look at my joy and take responsibility for what I was doing with my own self as far as being happy and not relying on other people to bring me something that I was supposed to be getting for myself. And then as I began to do that, I was able to have richer relationships because it turned into let me share the love that I have versus giving it in order to be approved by the people I was surrounding myself with. That's deep. You know, so many of us think that we are good the way we are, but I feel like even as sisters, the relationships that we have outside of our sisterhood, our direct relationship with our sisters, uh, permeate and we bring that stuff into our sisterhood. Mm -hmm. And it's so 
Our sisterhood is so beautiful and magical, but I think it's also so fragile. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, like you said, we are sensitive, okay? All of us are sensitive. Even if you're like me and you're a sensitive thug, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how we show up in our relationships romantically with other, you know, people platonically, we bring into our relationships with our sisters all the time and it's just not fair. So, you know, being able to take a step back instead of projecting is so important mm-hmm. in sisterhood. Asking questions, asking good questions is really important. That's why I value having this conversation with you now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then owning up to your stuff. You know, one of the things that I can say that we, you know, really practice is holding one another accountable. Um, and even when it's challenging, I'm like, okay, so actually, all right. And you're like, okay, Lydia. All right. And I'm like, all right, girl. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Right. That's when the hood comes out of Ashley. But, you know, holding one another accountable is so important. I remember, well, I'm often too hard on myself. And you, you remind me to practice grace. Mm-hmm. And you, you're good for a pep talk, but you're also good for keeping it real. Mm-hmm. Right. Within context. We don't go out of our way to correct one another just so that we can be right Mm -hmm. and the other person be wrong. And I think that's key for women to practice, you know, given everything that we've seen with women in our lives at an early age, it has been important to me to remain in healthy relationship with you and other women. We have so many different play aunties and cousins as a result of that and this and that, you know, just giving mommies, um, you know, sister friends and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. But, you know, I think about how some relationships did not last long. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I think about why, you know, communication is key in sisterhood, just like it is in relationships. Being clear is key having realistic realistic expectations yes. and knowing when your expectations have been broken and not necessarily your heart, right? When women become emotional, at times we become irrational, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's easy for us to cut one another off and not talk about it and then rally up, you know, a tribe of women to be against someone else. It's like we start doing all this internal gangbanging within our sisterhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But it's so important that we are clear and learn how to communicate and express ourselves and know how best to express ourselves to the person who we are expressing ourselves to. You know, the same way that I, you know, express myself to you, I can't necessarily express myself to one of my line sisters or one of my Bennett sisters or whomever, you know, another close friend. It's just because that's not the way that we communicate, you know. What do you think about that, Ashley? Well, you know, one thing that comes to mind for me is that when we grew up or when we were growing up, we, like you mentioned, we saw a lot of women and they would fall out, you know, oh, we can't go to so-and-so's house because they fell out or we can't go to so-and-so's house because whatever the case may be. And I don't know what age it was, but at some point in my life, I decided that I wanted to have healthy relationships as an adult, so that 
I didn't have to experience not being able to have access to someone because of a disagreement. Mm. And as the founder of Rise and Thrive LLC is supporting humans in their ability to be kind, curious and attentive in times of conflict and transition. And the reason why that's so important to me is because we've seen many people many times fist fight, argue over things that didn't have to escalate to that point, but because they were not spiritually and psychologically healthy, that was the only outcome that they could secure. So when I listen to you talk about that, I think as women, especially as black women, we have to nurture our curiosity and see one another as constantly evolving these dynamic beings, spiritual beings having a human experience. And if there's something that we don't understand, we can ask, tell me more about that. If there's something that we don't agree with, we can say, wow, I hadn't looked at it that way. Tell me more. You know, but I think that we need to be more creative with how we approach one another and not creative unto destruction, but creative unto life and, and spirit and connectivity. Because a lot of times, you know, people, some people don't know how to uh, talk to you without arguing. And, and that to me is like, well, that's something going on with that person. Uh, if it's worthy of further introspection, I will. But if not, you know, I'll just give them their space. But that has developed in me over the years because, again, I made a choice. I don't know how long ago that I was going to have healthy relationships. And that's something I really wanted. And for, you know, for three years, the spirit had led me away to teach me how to be a better friend. Because when I got out of graduate school... I was 22 years old and I graduated. And then from 23 to 26, I was like a solitary refinement period. And some events happened with particular people where I was like, I'm hurting people because I'm hurting. And God had to lead me to a place where I was still connecting with people here and there. But I had to have that period of development so I could learn you know, what it means to be a friend. Because again, a lot of women, a lot of black women don't know what it means to be a friend because they haven't been treated like a friend, you mm -hmm. know? So it's something yeah, I right. value. But unfortunately, we, we really play things out in our heads and mm -hmm. we engage with people the way that we think that they perceive us. And it really sets us up for failure you know, how we are to our sisters often is how we are to others. Mm -hmm. Like, I never fully understand some women until I see them engage with their siblings, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Whether they have all, you know, women's siblings or all uh, male siblings, I'm just like, huh, oh, okay, I see why you are the way you are. And either you forgive them a little bit based on how they treat you or you're like, oh, I'm not dealing with this because mm -hmm. this is how you are. Right. Or you're really not who you say you are. So what to that point, I say that to say that consistency in your sisterhood really will. Um, what is it? Will really transcend how you show up in other relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, you know, so many line sisters and 
one of the relationships that I can think of in particular, um, her and her sisters are so close. Her sisters are older. They love on her and they are really there for her. And she treats other women with that same kind of mm-hmm. love and consideration and respect. And I, I could never understand why I'd never seen her be nasty or just rude to anyone. And then I was around her mother and her sisters and I was just like, she is so loved on. She has no mm-hmm. option but to love other mm-hmm. women. Right. And she knows how to engage with some because either they just, you know, don't mesh well because of whatever the other person is carrying or she knows that she can't, you know, literally deal with that. And I think it's so beautiful. And I like to think of myself the same way. Right. Mm -hmm. I regard you highly. We respect one another. We put one another on. We love each other. We're kind. And, you know, nothing can get in between us. And I most definitely practice that in my friendships, too. Now, sometimes you got to let mm-hmm. stuff go, right? And really do what you have to do for you to be well. But I just really think that's important. Knowing that we're loved changes the game, changes the whole landscape of how we engage with people. And I know that maybe seven or eight years ago at this point, people who know they're loved, engage with life differently. So at any point in myself where I had to evaluate what am I bringing to the table and what type of results am I getting, I had to go back to knowing that I am love. And if I hadn't felt that way at a certain point and someone received me in my presence of feeling that way, then I had to do the work. Uh, You know, what does it mean to be an expression of love? Because we we really we talk about love all the time, we underrate it. And like you said with your line sister, not engage that way because she's lived in the reciprocity of that type of love. It's just like that's why I do the work I do, because so many people don't know how loved they are and that they can mm-hmm. live in a way that expresses that to other people. So. That's real, you know. I wrote this in my notes, but I think that we have to fall forward Mm -hmm. into sisterhood Mm -hmm. and really go all in. Mm -hmm. You cannot be halfway in sisterhood. I remember at Bennett, there was this question that everyone would ask, and it was kind of manipulative and also like humorous. But when something would happen, whether it was like something serious or humorous, people would ask, what is a sister? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And you're like, Clearly, it's either that or it's not that, right? But I remember that question so vividly because that is a real question. Mm -hmm. You know, what is a sister? Are you a sister? You know, it's almost just like, you know, how women like to think of themselves as wives Mm -hmm. or, you you know, a mother before they are married or bear children, That is the same way I believe that women should practice being a sister. You know, there are so many women who aren't born with sisters and they lean on other women and form those relationships. And, you know, at that point, like the water is thicker than blood when you think about blood being thicker than water. Right. But we should aspire if you are friendly, if you are kind, if you have it in your heart to be there for someone else and really, you know, be in love 
with another woman because that is very natural, mm-hmm. right? I, I love you. I am in love with you. It is a process being your sister. I think that we should really practice being a sister. So I ask, you know, in the spirit of being in college, what is a sister? What is a sister? You know, the first thing that comes to mind is the image of maybe it's a meme or just a picture with words, but it says a queen fixes another queen's crown without the world knowing it was crooked. And I think about that and I'm just like, wow, that's beautiful. You know, and I like to tell people, oh, you have something in your teeth or you have something in your nose. And I want to be told. Mm-hmm. Or your tracks is showing. Let me know, okay? I have an afro. <laughs> if there are any friends in my hair, please let me know so we can get on with life and I don't look like who did it and why. But a lot of us are rushing to queen them when we don't know about sisterhood. So I. Uh, girl, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're not going to say that real fast and just try to scream. <laughs> say that one more time for the people in the back or those who are walking past as someone is listening to the podcast. Many of us are rushing to queendom and no sisterhood. Girl. Let, can, we just re- can we just let that marinate really quickly? Because we talk about women having tribes. We want to call everybody sis. I mean, sis is in a lot of headlines that I write. It is great lingo but sometimes it becomes jargon Mm -hmm. because it's empty right I I think about so many of the friendships that I've had where I call women sis and I'm like ooh, now I don't use the word as lightly number one because you are my only biological sister right so there is an order of respect but also because you can't just throw that word around and not really be you know for other women Mm -hmm. That's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, what I always say, like, you can't be (laughs) pro-black women and not, you know what I'm saying? We ain't even got to go into that conversation. It's a whole nother podcast conversation. But you really got to go hard for what it is that you say you believe in. You can't do that whole sis, sissy, oh, uh, hey, queen. No, if you're not practicing that, stop using that language, period. I think a lot of people, you know, you've heard me say this. There is such a deprived sense of belonging or a desperation attached to belonging in today's culture that people are using terms so freely because Mm -hmm. they give themselves away so freely and at a discount because they don't know their value. So they use these terms without having deeper knowledge of their value because they don't know their value. So you call me sis looking for a connection because you're using this word, but you don't know what it's like to be a sister. To go back to your question of what does it mean to be a sister, no, in private, you know, doesn't have to blast you in front of somebody else. A sister listens to you. You know, listening is a function of love. A sister, you know, sits with you and may not say anything at all. A sister may disagree with you, but find out within herself where the disagreement is before coming down on you. You know, so I think that we have to do a lot around healing the sisterhood because we grow up in families where we're not taught to respect one another, which and respect is an element of love and we don't look at it that way, but it is an element of love and, and having that appreciation and that care. A sister is also responsible to 
her sister saying, I did this. I messed up. You know, I need help. And I had to learn in our relationship the difference between being responsible for and being responsible to. At some age range, you are I'm responsible for you because we're kids, we're younger than Santa Third. But as an adult, I'm not responsible for you per se, but I am responsible for my actions towards you. So being able to admit when we're wrong is part of being a sister. Being able to say, you know, Hey, I messed up. Can we try again? And doing that with humility. There's so much when people say the term sis or sis or whatever the case may be, there's such a level of entitlement. And it's just like back all the way up because you can't come to somebody with this level of familiarity because that could be very offensive you know I mean there's so much that goes into being what a sister is and and we really have to humble ourselves and show that we can be a sister before we try to wheel someone in with a cute term most definitely and if I did not say this we also call her the alchemist (laughs) (laughs) okay look Yo, you could have just dropped the mic right then and there, but we got to keep going. I know we are almost at an hour, but y'all going to get this podcast, okay? Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. So, you know, you said so much, right? The familiarity. Um, what is it? What do I like to call that? Um, it is presumptuous, mm-hmm. right? But like presume familiarity. Um, titles that carry no mm-hmm. weight. Belonging you know, learning how to disagree gracefully, mm-hmm. um, own up to your ish. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was, um, the chief marketing officer for Snatch um, Inc was doing, was giving the keynote and he said his grandmother told him that if everywhere you go smells like cabbage, it's you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> we all have been at an auntie granny's, T.T., cousin, mama-in-law, somebody's house where they are cooking cabbage. And it tastes great, Mm -hmm. but we all, like, take a second to imagine a whiff of cabbage as it is being boiled. My, my, my. (laughs) Okay? So, if everywhere you go, if all of your relationships, if how you show up in the workplace, if how you date, how you spend your money, your time... If when you think about those things, you can, you know, say that those things smell like cabbage, it's probably you. Right. And I, you know, I say that to say, you know, some of us are not good sisters Mm-mm. and we really need to take the time to step back and reevaluate who we are, how we are showing up and how we could be a better person in general. Mm-hmm. And then how we can be that to someone else. Because there are so many narratives around what sisterhood is. We're not being honest, right? Sometimes it's easier for us to be sisters to people who we aren't related to because of, you know, past hurt Mm -hmm. and things of that. So we go practicing it with someone else. And that's perfectly fine. You know, sometimes you have to distance yourself from people who are toxic and mean and just not of the most high and that operate at a low Mm -hmm. vibration. So I get that too. But beyond, you know, the biology, if you are not a good sister, I hope that 
you can find it in your heart to be mature and in your spirit to check yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and go seek the resources that you need, whether it be therapy, you know, or just stepping away from people for a second and working on whatever it is in your heart that you need to work on. Cause a lot of us have heart issues mm-hmm. um, and we cannot be there for other people. So you go around messing up relationships and things of that nature, but you want to call everybody sis, or you don't really do women like that. Cause you have male friends, but then you want everybody else to be there with you, you know, those things. Right. So we talked about a lot, right. Um, one of the things I didn't tell y'all because I'm a little scared of her is that Ashley would make me write on the wall <laughs> um, and I would get in trouble. She would egg me on like, go Lydia, go Lydia. And then our dad would come in the room with the belt. Um, Ashley had this desire to be an animator. So she drew paper dolls and cut them out while I wrote poetry. We are also Master P and No Limit Enthusiasts. Okay, now. So, okay. So, yeah. shout out to my childhood dream. <laughs> we had no business listening to Master P, but somehow we most definitely did. Ashley had all the albums. For some reason, I say we, but they were yours, and you really didn't let me. Okay, whatever. We're not going back. Okay. So, <laughs> but she would play, and then our grandfather bought us this tape recorder from Radio Shack. Well, he really bought it for Ashley, but I was, you know, one of the commentators on the show. So, you know, we did Master P and Mixtapes. Um, we've gone through so much, mm-hmm. you know, from homelessness to HBCUs to Ivy League universities, working for Passion Wage, uh, pushing one another, holding each other accountable, you know, going from, you know, prayer meetings to exiting toxic religion or religious institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we were ever in a cult. Let me be clear. Um, but sometimes, you know, the most high calls you outside of the church. Yeah. Um, disagreeing with grace and rooting for one another. One of the things that I do want to touch on, though, before I ask you to share your mic drop moment and you can think about it, but is what it really means to root for your sister. Let me tell mm-hmm. you something. I am always in the gym with people who I consider to be my sis. You know, ain't nobody ever going to be able to say, Lydia, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. Nah, bruh. I'm in the gym. <laughs> I'm unlocking the gym. I got, I'm the gatekeeper to the parking lot. You feel me? Like, you can't even get in without me. I'm the loudest one embarrassing you. If you ever seen that video of the man at graduation who falls over the balcony because he's so excited and then gets up, cheers, and then jumps back into the stands, mm-hmm. that's me. Mm-hmm. And... Shout outs to him. I don't know who it is, but shout outs to him because he really has stamina. But it is so important to root for your sisters and not just like, comment, Mm -hmm. and subscribe, but also to invest. I have had a number of pursuits journalistically from this podcast to Sincere Visions, you know, and so many other things, traveling abroad. And working in the community and each and every time I can honestly say that Ashley has been there. You know, I have a number of women um, who, you know, I'm in contact, contact with on a regular basis, but no one has invested the way that she has. And it is because she is truly 
hey, sister, you know, I get Venmo surprises and all these other things in boxes in the mail. But that thing, those things really are important to me, not because I'm materialistic, but because it is so important to have someone who is who they say they are to you. Hmm. Right. If Ashley served in the Bay Area, but did not serve her family, she would be fraudulent. Yeah. If she was there for the women in her group, but not for her mother and sister and cousins, she would be fraudulent. And I say that um, because I do want to stir something up in you, right? And I want to question how it is that you are really showing up for people. You know, it's one thing to be the person that others rely on, but it's another thing to really be there for people, even when they don't ask you to be, right? And Ashley has been that for me. So Ashley, I'm grateful for you. You know, this. I tell you this all the time, but I appreciate you. And number one, I'm rooting for you, but I appreciate the way that you invest, right? Monetarily with wisdom, advice, prayer, through pushing me, you know, sometimes through the door um, or to the front because, you know, discouragement is real. Um, disbelief at time is very real and you know while we are connected we have a real bond Mm -hmm. so I I had to say that because so many of us like Ashley said have this need to belong and this desire to feel like we belong or are valued but we are not there for other people, truly. Mm-hmm. I can think of too many people who at some point in my life, hey, sis, oh, yeah, da 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 And the minute I think I need something, I can't even, I won't even pick up the phone. Like, there's no point in me picking up the phone. And I'm like, there is no point in me calling you, sis. There is no point in me calling me. There is no point in me uh, having your number anymore, right? Um, so my charge to you is think about, you know, the people who you can call, who is a sis, who have you not been a good sister to, Mm -hmm. who can, you know, you really call in times of need, who should you be investing in as a sister? You know, I know Ashley don't have like, you know, a hundred K to give me right now, but she has been an angel investor Mm -hmm. of mine. And she, you know, at times has been one of the only people rooting for me, vice versa. You had asked me, what does it mean to truly root for someone? And there have been times where, you know, I've gone to your events in high school or, you know, seeing you in elementary school and college and and graduate school. Well, we weren't, I wasn't physically there, but when I did show up physically, you know, I always had to ask myself, you know, what would happen to us if I didn't show up? You know, and it's easy to ask, well, what would happen to them? Or what would happen to me? But in our case, I've always had to ask, what's going to happen to us? Because mm-hmm. we were what we had. Um, I think a mic drop moment for me would be many times when people are rude to one another, I want to ask them, well, who owes you something? Because you're mad at that person. But now the statement is, what do you owe yourself? And when you choose to be present, fully present, 
fully available. And it doesn't mean 24-7 access, but when you're there, you're there, you're consistent, and you follow through, you are giving yourself into your sister. You know, we are one another. So to to give the best to yourself is to give the best to others and making sure that there's reciprocity and balance, you know. So those are my two final thoughts. And I am just so grateful that I get to be, you know, a part of a sisterhood, not only uh, yours and mine, biologically, spiritually, emotionally, but also part of this larger sisterhood that you're building by helping us to learn how to listen to one another and how to disagree. Because if we can't keep our curiosity when we're having a hard time, we will die for a lack of knowledge. You know, curiosity can fuel our knowledge, our, our, our acclimation of knowledge and then application. What do you want women to do as a result of listening with their heart? Identify one woman that would benefit from you taking just 15 or 20 minutes to hear where she is. And then let the spirit lead you. You know, don't don't listen for a need necessarily, but listen for an opportunity to connect. That's perfect. Did you hear oatmeal coffee? Yeah. Pepper, though? <laughs> so Ashley just said something really profound and oatmeal (laughs) my dog decided to cough so um, clearly (laughs) oatmeal needs a daddy as you all already know (laughs) because I can't believe he just coughs like that like really when I think about what I want women to be able to do after listening with their hearts to this you know, this episode, I think about, or you know what? I don't even think about it. I really want you to write down the ways in which you've been hurt and how you can get through those things so that you can get back to yourself and be your best self. I think about um, healing and I really want to challenge you as a listener to write down the ways that you, you know, or write down your hurts and how you've been hurt by other women and figure out a way that you can work through that so that you can get back to yourself and so that you can be your best self and be your best self to others. You know, it's so hard showing up to places beat up and hurt, you know, and a lot of us limp into our relationships and Mm -hmm. expect to be able to, you know, run the marathon when it's time to go and we can't do it. Right. So think, of those things, write them down and really see how you can work through those things. Because like I said, it just might be you. And there are other people who may have hurt you and you maybe can't go back and reconcile with them, but it is your duty. You owe it to yourself to heal from Mm -hmm. those past hurts so that you don't go out and become the person who was hurting others. We've covered so much from writing on walls to falling forward into sisterhood, healing, and so much more, right? And we could go on 
for another hour if you let us. But I'm not sure what your attention span is like. But Ashley, I just want to thank you for being who you are, being consistent, being a force to be wrecked with, you know, giving all of who you are, even when that's not required of you. And being my saucy. I love you so much. I I love love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. And thank you for having me on the show. This is wonderful. Okay. And before you go, tell us how we can stay in contact with you or how can we get connected with you? So if you want to stay connected with me, find me on Instagram, Ashley and Blanco underscore. You can also reach me at Ashley and It has been a pleasure. I am so excited to share this stop on a tour with you all and, you know, really do this bi-coastal episode. Me mm-hmm. here in Harlem, Ashley in the Bay. I'm not going to tell you her city because mm-hmm. I know y'all be. Okay, goodbye. Um, clearly, she's the corny one. But I love you, Ashley. I love you too, baby. Mm-hmm.